Podcast, the first roundup of the year, the 17th round of Bundesliga fixtures. And as always, have my lovely co host, my father, with me for this roundup. We were together, we reconvened, so to speak, to um, give tribute to Franz Beckenbauer on that sad day about a week ago. But here we are, uh, another year for us to round up the Bundesliga. Um, it's good to be back, Dad, and it's good to have the Bundesliga back as well, isn't it? Absolutely. And I was in England first on the Friday. We made a surprise party for you. So this is the first <laughs> podcast we've done when you are in your 30s. Indeed. So uh, I can't believe that I have a son that is 30. Uh, it just makes <laughs> me younger and younger. Uh, and then I was in Newcastle, Newcastle, Manchester City. What a game. So intense. So many stories. And f- for us, Norwegians, of course, Oscar Bob coming on doing the, the winning goal for them after Kevin De Bruyne came on and kind of changed the game with his uh, genius skill that he's got. And then Manchester United, uh, uh, yesterday, we are recording this on, on the Monday, uh, I had a privilege and pleasure to to be a part of a briefing meeting that Sir Jim Ratcliffe had with, with the press. And I, I, I can't say I spoke to him, but I did speak to him, but he listened to it. I had a long chat with him, but I had a handshake with him and, and, and talked a bit with him. But maybe we can do a special on Old Trafford because there was a lot of things happening at uh, Old Trafford this Sunday. So maybe we'll do a special on Manchester United later this week, Marcus. But yes, it was a great start of the season. Uh, and I'm saying great in, in the way the tribute went for Franz Beckenbauer. Franz Beckenbauer, a Bayern legend, uh, a Germany legend, uh, a global football legend uh, that passed away. And to our loyal listeners, uh, thanks thanks a lot for all the great feedback we became through because of our tribute to him. And then, of course, there have been tributes for him all around. And, and Bayern Munich, the, the best thing Franz Beckenbauer could have hoped for the best thing Franz Franz Beckenbauer was not that he was not an Obama kind of thing that had the whole crowd articulated him well he, he was just he was just one of us he just used the phrases he would have said if you would have want to have a tribute like that I I wouldn't say I was a friend of his not even close to that but I worked with him a couple of three, four, five, six times. I can't remember. But we were a season together, colleagues by Sky Germany. And I, I guess, my guess would have been that he would have said, just go out and win against Hoffenheim. And they did. Although, Marcus, we, well, we see the, the scoreline. Uh, I'm not saying it flattered them, but Hoffenheim had their chances. Yeah, and it's a bit a bit of the tune to, to Bayern, hasn't it? And we discussed earlier in the season when Lothar Mateus came out to criticise Tuchel and Tuchel b- b- bit back in the sense that he was very blunt in terms of what he thought of that. But it has been a bit of the tune to Bayern. It was 3-0, but it was there during a... From the 60th minute to around the 67th or 68th, Hoffenheim had some big, big chances and should have scored, uh, most definitely... Upa Makano there again, if I'm looking from a centre-back's perspective, he was a bit compromised, fell kind of in between on a few occasions, lost those vital handers, and Kramaric and 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 Bayer should definitely have gotten at least 
a goal. But like you say, it was a, it was a lovely tribute. Um, I saw our friend Archie. He was um, giving a status on 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 the Bayern game, and they played the Beckenbauer tune, a song of which I'm not all too familiar. But they played that after the game. But it was very much business as usual when it came onto the field. And then a player who we are big admirers of that, and who we loved, and who was rather prolific in front of goal last season with 12 goals. Uh, it was Musiala who got two goals. And whether there's a parallel here to be drawn between how Beckenbauer glid through the on the pitch and through the pitch and past players, Musiala and the way he carries the ball and the way he kind of in very much many ways carries Bayern alongside Harry Kane was it was lovely to see him back up firing on all cylinders. Yes, I think that you can uh, sum up well the most the three most important players for them at the moment. And I, I have not forgotten Manuel Neuer, who had some match-winning saves. They won against one against him from the Hoffenheim uh, perspective. And it's Musiala, who scored his fifth goal of the season. He is one of those, I will start with the first one, It's one of those who kind of, he's like a FIFA player. He just, he, he's just, when you when you play FIFA, I stopped playing FIFA when you were five and you beat me 5-0, <laughs> but, but I, I can remember. Uh, but he's just like... It's not like he's he's stepping on a pitch. He's just gliding all over the pitch, as you described. So Mutsial on fire. Uh, Leroy Sané, it's it's up there. Uh, I saw an interview today, just before I came on, with Tuchel, and he said we we clicked from the first moment. And that is not like it's quite obvious that that will happen because Tuchel. Everybody said, yeah, Leroy is a bit more fragile than other, a bit like Özil kind of thing. When he's not doing well, his body language and so on. Does he train hard enough? And all those kind of uh, accusations, some 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 way. So Tuchel said, "No, we click from the first day," and 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 that is was a bit surprisingly he said as well because I demand a lot from the players. Bilore Sané has been excellent, and of course we can't come, get away from from Harry Kane. Score is twenty second. That is the seventeenth game of the season, meaning they're half the way through. That means he will get forty four at the end of the season if things uh, go further, meaning that he will beat the record of Robert Lewandowski. I w- and, and, and Robert Lewandowski, of course, beating Gerd Müller's record. So that is no... I, I, he has to score goals. he got to score uh, uh, another 20 goals in, in his 17 outings. But but they still always around Harry Kane. And uh, I think they would be the, the, the key player for Bayern at the moment. But as you were saying, Marcus... It's not convincing enough in terms of that you think they will run away with it. And I guess we'll talk a bit more about Leverkusen, maybe now or later. Well, we could go into that. We've kind of laid down some some topics and how we weave them into one another because we also have a, a few new signings and new faces, some familiar faces in the Bundesliga for that matter, but who are returning. But with Leverkusen there... Um, I'd be curious how you would analyze the performance. The, 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 the common tune, I guess, coming out from that game is, well, that's what champions do. That's what they'll look back on if they win the league. And it must be said that they were without a few of their key players. Some have gone to Africa Cup Nations, but we had a Florian Wirtz who was on the bench, who was struggling a bit, but came on after about an hour or so. But when I see the scenes there, and then the very last, it was their 24th, 25th, sorry, shot of the game and their very last shot. And you see the slow motion picture there of them celebrating. That's one of the few moments I look back and I think, wow, I miss I miss playing because that I, must be the best feeling in the world as well. 
Yes, and and it's like it's it's a bit like Manchester City beating Newcastle, and I wasn't on that day. I was in Newcastle, so I followed this game a live update. Uh, but you always get the feeling, and the, the players will get the same feeling, Mark. Is that they have seventeen games in the Bundesliga now, one fourteen, three draws. They haven't lost yet, and you have that feeling that we that we will be a winner at the end, and that is the greatest feeling you can have as a player when you think, well, we will win. I, I, I'm not sure that I've been in that. I was in that with the Norwegian national team in the 90s. We had a feeling that somehow we will get a chance and we will win. We will create our chances. We are solid at the back. And the, the thing is, when Leverkusen do things like that, that is um, that is the skill of a champion. And I think that annoys a bit Bayern as well because the, you can see now, I'm not saying they're getting stressed because Bayern don't get stressed because they know they have their... The knowledge, the, the skills, the, the, the qualities in the team to to catch them. But when you win in Augsburg, that is win, what winners do. You, you take a 1-0 win there. And it was the first game of the new year. As you were saying, a lot of players away. Boniface is out injured now, maybe till April, which is a, is, is a big uh, problem for them. But then winning that, getting three points there away from home, then you kind of hold them a bit away and and still uh, Bayern got a, a game in hand but the good old rule is better to have points than game in hand and that is always there so so halfway through the season for 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 Bayern and uh, Leverkusen have started uh, all over again and 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 they're there that they will they will be up there they will indeed last time they were top of the table by the halfway point was in 2009-2010 and then 2001-2002 uh, was the first time. I mean, they've. it's a record for a German club in terms of the start of their season, including all competitions. It will be certainly interesting to follow, but they um, certainly have quality in there, but someone like Boniface out till April potentially as well. Um, you lose a lot of your defensive core and Augsburg had their chances, but even still, it was some great scenes to come out of that. I think it's great for the title uh, race as such. I guess we go into let's go into Dortmund and then we can transition transition into new signings because it was the inevitable inclusion of Jaden Sancho in that game, three nil for Dortmund as well. But again, one of those three nil results that maybe were a bit deceiving because Darmstadt, despite being bottom of the table, gave Dortmund a run for the money. I think they will be disappointed, quite frankly, that they didn't get get more from it. Yeah, which is fair enough. But having said that, Darmstadt haven't, I guess, haven't won a game since October. So uh, that is uh, that is a trend. That fair is uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, so. But it's still it got to go a compliment to Dortmund, uh, winning three 0 away from home. Important for them as well, with, with new coaches in there, in and around Terzic. You, you have a feeling that that has been done uh, to kind of secure support Terzic, make him. I think. Vatske said that when I had a look at uh, Terzic, he's doing everything in training. And th- that means that the setup in and around it was not the best. Now you come Sven uh, with Bender and uh, Shahin coming in. That is good for them. Uh, but I guess that uh, the story of the game was Jaden Sancho getting back in training, getting back playing uh, again. He said this is like coming home. It's, it's a quite interesting quote from an Englishman in, in Dortmund. And of course, he made an assist. Of course, he did. Uh, came on, uh, and then he, he, he 
did what he used to do with Dortmund, doing that. Uh, there was an interesting quote again from Vatske. Vatske is the CEO of Dortmund, uh, who uh, said earlier this week that he will retire after this. He will, will go away from Dortmund after the end of 25, after this uh, time of his contract. So he said about Jaden Sancho, he said he doesn't have an attitude problem. The only problem is that he's coming a bit too often too late. Well, I guess in anyone's book, in anyone's book, that is bad attitude. Because, you know, Marcus, I, I love to be, what is it, punctuality? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to be there in time. And I think that that is a very bad habit that Jaden Sancho got rid of. Because uh, you are a team, you're sitting in the bus, you're in a dressing room, you're in a team meeting, you can't start before, before everybody going. But I just hope, uh, as you know, Marcus, I'm a big, big fan of Jaden Sancho. Uh, that was love at first sight when I started following in Dortmund with Erling Haaland being there, uh, with Jude Bellingham coming then later and, and all that kind of thing. So I think this is good for everybody. Good for Jaden Sancho to stop playing football again. Football is a short-term career choice uh, and you have to bake the best out of it. And he has lost some time now. So then the, the thing is, will he stay there forever? Will he uh, still there? Will they buy him? There, there is a loan now into the summer. I saw Sebastian Kjell, who is head of sports, said that if he's doing fantastically well, then we can't afford him. So you got that compromise of things that you you hope he's do, doing as well that you want him to to want to stay, but you can't do it too too good. And there is also another situation with Manchester United. If Manchester United when Sir Jim Ratcliffe will have a look at Ten Hag now to the end of the season, then we'll get a new manager in. Will he then take, or he does? He, ha- he has to take back Sancho because he's under contract for Manchester United. So there's a lot of if ifs here, but I think the main thing is that he's playing football again and for Dortmund that he's producing goals again. Well, he looked genuinely happy, and I think he meant it when he said it felt he was coming home. And there was a video that kind of gave an insight into the first 48 hours of his return and. And well, I, I'd like to think I could read people rather well to this point in which he looked happy, looked kind of relieved and coming there and getting the starts he did. I think we all I think we all wanted for him because now it's one of those in which you can hopefully for Dortmund's sake, he can find his rhythm rather quickly in terms of new signings then that we've had some 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 big players coming. We've had Jaden Sancho come in. We've had Donny van der Beek and Kleisic in for Eintracht. We've had Eric Dyer into Bayern. What type or which player do you think will have the biggest impact on on the team of these players? We also have Elgis Elmas, who comes to our Leipzig, and also Dortmund signing Matson, who they needed desperately at at left back. But um, yeah, who are you most looking forward to to, to seeing? Well, I I do of course have a, a special look at the Eintracht Frankfurt signing. Kalajdzic was a guy I knew from uh, the, the time in Stuttgart, following closer there. Then he went to Wolverhampton was struggling, we got an injury straight away. But both him and Van der Beek played in the first game, you know, winning away against Leipzig was, was a massive win for Dino Topmüller and Eintracht Frankfurt. And the way he is playing, I think that he can be a very a different weapon for them. Uh, they don't have that. Now they have a couple of strikers uh, uh, away at international big tournaments, AFCON and the Asia Cup. I, I start following that a bit, Marcus. I, I don't know if you do, 
but I, I follow that a bit because I, I always think it's so great when a small nation, Capoeira winning uh, uh, against Ghana, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Mozambique 2-1 uh, up against Egypt. Salah, uh, a penalty at the end and so on and so on. So it's also brilliant. It just shows you how many great players are out there. How the many great, great range. A great range. Great... You, have, you have players from all over convening into one team. That's, I like that aspect of it too. Yeah, absolutely. And and these are, we don't have to uh, try to be experts because we're not. I'm not expert in Cap Verde. Uh, I saw the, the winner, I think that was uh, a guy uh, I, I uh, played in a Turkish club. And all that, I think if Rodriguez was his a name. A man named, think, yeah, Gary Rodriguez. Gary Rodriguez. <laughs> now I, we know I, him. I, yeah, we know him now. And and I think that that is to make a name for himself. And I can and I can understand the national coaches coming into a game like that. Imagine Mozambique. I don't. I, I thought it's twelve games they've played. They've not got anything out of the Afghan. And then they come in and play against Salah, one of the best players in the world. You play against them, and you can make a name for yourself. And I think that was fantastic. That was uh, another way uh, out of, of of the new signing. I am a bit suspicious of this Eric Dyer signing because I think uh, typical. Uh, the German journalist, typical uh, Bild, Sky, they all reporting that they have signed a star. Uh, Eric Dyer. Why do you say that? A, do you think they don't know, or do you think it's the agenda? I think they do know, but I think now I think that is a part of things. I think that is a part of them. Uh, generally, they're getting Tottenham star there, but as you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I will send some messages to to my friends in Germany. And I say, you mean this star who never played for Tottenham? Or is that it is a star that when Davis was out for a month now, Postacoglu was asked, does this make a change to you viewing on Eric Dyer's chances to play for you? And then it took it was quiet for some seconds, and I said, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean that that is a verdict as well. Having said that, Marcus, we've seen it many times that player can flourish in new clubs, new environment. Eric Dyer, I think, is generally very happy to be at Bayern. I think that can give him a lift. He's with his mate, Harry Kane. But, I mean, English football players, they don't know maybe too much about German football, but they know about Bayern. And after Harry Kane as well, they're there. So Eric Dyer could make a job. Uh, I was speaking to Rafa Honningstein, and I said, we would talk about that. And he said he made a valid point, and I'll credit him for that. He made a valid point that when Tottenham playing very high and I said to him but Bayern will do the same yeah they want to do the same but sometimes they're getting deeper and deeper and maybe that would fit Eric Dyer better when he uh, than when he played for uh, for Tottenham uh, and I wish Van der Beek I think that I was happy for him he didn't have the best of games but he was a part of a of a of a team winning in Leipzig which is a big big win for Dino Topmüller who was at uh, Leipzig Crusher, who was at Leipzig, and so on and so on. So, so I think that I, the, the signings have been they've been sensible, and uh, at least for Inter Franco, they were they were needed. There are interesting profiles of signing as well, because as we know, that football is incredibly short term business. But it wasn't long ago since you had Donny van der Beek being part of this very exciting golden generation with Frankie De Jong and Matthijs de Ligt. You have. Um, you have Eric Dyer, who has, after all, 49 caps for England, 365 appearances for, for Tottenham. You had Kalajic, who came to the Premier League, after all, after performing well with Stuttgart, tears his ACL, comes back this season. I think it's three goals in 13 games and what have you. 
it is signings that are exciting, but also pretty important for these players as they look to revitalize themselves. Because you look back at Eintracht signing these players maybe a couple of seasons ago, it's a different story. But that's what I like with these signings because there are players also there with with points to prove. Um, also, we talk about new signings, I guess, that, But the longest and most obvious saga in terms of where it's going to end, so whether you define it as a saga or not, but Max Ebel seems to be now ready for, for, for Bayern. We have discussed him a bit previously, but for the ex-Leipzig Labach sporting director, could you just enlighten the audience in terms of what impact that will be? Because from what I understand, he's now going to take go on to the board, but we know they have Christoph Freund, etc. Yeah, how, how would that dynamic work? Max Ebel made a name of himself when he did a fantastic job at Gladbach. Then he had some, he was struggling. He was struggling with his, I don't know how they defined it in, in Germany, whether it was his mental health or that he, he just would have, was a bit bur- or yeah, or bur- burned out. He took a time off, came back again. But Max Eber got also a very good skill, two good skills that is good for Bayern. He has played for Bayern. He knows Bayern uh, for Uli Hoeneß. He's, he's living not far from Uli Hoeneß. That is quite good. And he's also a very good, he's very good at his job. But what is interesting for uh, people listening is that, you know, when you see in English football, you have the manager. That's the only one you see. That is the manager. Uh, he will. He has to talk about everything: deduction, uh, human rights, uh, finances, uh, everything that will happen in a football club. He he's the only one speaking at press conferences. In Germany, it's different. You have different jobs. You have a structure more like a like a company, and all of them, especially in Bayern, is a part of the kind of daily news circle in there. And as you were saying, Christoph Freund. It seemed that they will find a way, or not find a way. This is how they think: is Christoph Freund will be closest to the team. He will be uh, the the more manager, the sporting director, closer to the team. He will kind of set the uh, the transfer, uh, building up uh, the the academy, get more young players in. But so he will be the kind of CEO of the first team slash transfer politics. But then you will have a, a sporting. Uh, responsible in the board, so to say. So, so Max Eber will be a step higher, but still be a part, working very well with Christoph Freund. And everybody, I, I, I know both, uh, Max Eber, uh, of course, and Christoph Freund through my uh, Salzburg connection. Uh, and they, they are quite, they, they are quite adjustable. These are two, they, they will not run for attention. They will run for. To, to get best possible result for, for Bayern Munich. So they will have no problem working together because that could be a bit, who is responsible for that? Who will be getting honor for that? I think they will do very well. Max Ebel seems to, they're not sure when he will come. What we do know, he will come after this transfer period. Maybe it will be decided officially. What I don't, I don't know. But Christoph Freund is now 100% responsible for this transfer window as they are using... Uh, tr- trying out some mm, solutions for, for this uh, window. And then Max Ebel will arrive. I think that is a great signing for Bayern. I think that is a part of the new generation at Bayern after Rummenigge, Hoeneß. Of course, they will be there till, till uh, as long as they want. But, but still, I think this, this seems like a, a good thing to do for, for Bayern. He is still, though, he, he was at Arbe Leipzig. And then 
the German press run a story that he will come to Bayern and they kind of asked him, are you 100% sure you will stay alive or are you 100% sure you go to Bayern? Something like that. It was a, it's a trick question. And he said, blah, 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 blah. And Leipzig, of course, couldn't have a man in charge. They were on blah, 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 blah. So he was fired, you remember, some hours before Leipzig played Bayern. So he was out there, but meaning that he's still under contract. So Bayern got to agree, got to agree a transfer fee for him before they get him. But I think uh, they will they will solve that. And um, yeah, this is a good it's a good signing, important signing for uh, FC Bayern. And just to conclude on 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 that, that I would like to hear your thoughts on Timo Werner leaving Arbe Leipzig. Arbe Leipzig now lost Forsberg, um, but they have some attacking options. We mentioned that Elmas came in now, but Werner was finding it hard to get in part of the team. They brought in Obenda and Cesco. And now he's looking to revitalize uh, his career, so to speak, and revitalize his, his his career with the German national team, who are desperate for a a savior of sorts. What do you think uh, Werner will be like at Tottenham? Well, it's only uh, 24 hours ago. Now I interviewed him as a Tottenham player, and I've always had a soft spot for Timo Werner because he is um, what shall I say? He's a he's he's a bit fragile. And I say that in a positive way because I think that is strength, that he's showing that he is not 100% confident. We know that we all are a bit like this. And the interview, when I, people can check that out on my ex-former Twitter account. Uh, I have uh, I put it out yesterday. And I talked about his confidence. I talked, thought, talked about uh, his stats at Chelsea. But I also said in my question that his stats... It's a quite underestimated because I'm not like an Opta kind of guy, this being a research company. But I remember it's like plus minus. He had 89 games for Chelsea. He scored 22 or 23 and he made 21 or 22 assists, meaning that in every second game he was involved in a goal. And even against Manchester United now, he was involved in the second goal. And But Timo... Timo is like, so I asked him about that and he, and he was like, yeah, true. And I do my best and everything. And it's been, it's been a crazy week and blah, 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 blah. So, so I asked him how convinced, when coming to Tottenham, he said the right thing about his new club, London. I said, how much did you miss London? And blah, 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 blah. And then he said, and so I said, but in this crazy week, how important was the chat you have with the Postacoglo? And he's kind of lighting up. That was so important for me because I had to hear him telling me telling me that I'm going to be an important player for Tottenham and and he threw me straight into the game now and blah, blah, blah. So there is so uh, I'm not over doing the blah, blah, blah. This is the last time I'll do it in a podcast. <laughs> and then I said it again. But uh, so I think I think Timo Werner, I, I wish him all the best. I love to have him there. But sometimes you see him, I, I, you saw the game. He, he came on the left side. One Sometimes I feel that he's just going for a finish just to finish it off. Not to, he not, he's not going there to score. Uh, so I hope he will build up his confidence. And if people criticize, criticize him to be open about lack of confidence, I think that is brilliant because I have news for you. Nine of ten players, even in the Premier League, are struggling with their confidence, self-confidence. That is, that is fresh. You need that in every game. In, in the daily training, you need that confidence. And team of Werner, I just wish, I hope there is enough time. I hope there is enough goals in him. I hope there is enough performance in, in there so he maybe can play for Germany 
uh, at uh, home soil this summer at the Euros. No, I agree. He's a he's a personality player more so that is split in terms of how you perceive him. I would love for him to do well. I think, like you say, there is a vulnerability there, but there is something there. And his Leipzig record as well is incredible before he went to Chelsea for around 50 or so odd million. So, um, yes, certainly a player in there as well with a point to prove that before we go and by, towards... and by the And by the way, he won the Champions League for Chelsea. Kai Havertz, by the way, he won the Champions League. And for, then people say uh, no, but that's only that's the only thing. Yeah, that that's got all they did. Well. Okay. Yeah, but if if I go through my career and people say that the only thing you did was <laughs> winning the Champions League, I would be quite happy. But I think that uh, team of business. That's what we discussed. Yeah, it is. It is, and I think that I always use the metaphor: going to clubs is to like to going to a college. Which college would you want to go to? And that is all depending on your teachers. And he will go now to Postacoglu. Postacoglu has shown that he can turn around the club in in weeks. They started off so well. You can see how they want to play. That was the big difference at Old Trafford. I'm still out there to understand what Manchester United are trying to do. But Tottenham, even with a weak team, talking about injuries, but a weak team, he still managed to make Chip, chip, do how do you say that? Skip, skip, uh, skip. Looking him like the best midfielder in the world. Uh, Heiberg in there doing well. Uh, Timo Werner back in again, and so on and so on. So I think he got the best teacher, Marcus, and I think there is still hope for Timo Werner. Yes, yeah, so we hope, and hopefully there's hope for Germany for and for him to get into that team. We go towards the end here. Let's just summarize again. We had Gladbach beat Stuttgart, the quickest uh, Bundesliga goal of the season, twenty-one seconds. It took. Hack to uh, Robin Hack to score. He scored the second 20 minutes later. Uh, Stuttgart got one back, uh, but Gladbach won. And uh, that's three games without Gurasi, and that's three losses for Stuttgart. So, as good as Undav is doing it, the facts remain. Um, and it will be interesting to see um, Gladbach as well, who um, yeah have a couple of tough games against Bayern and Leverkusen coming up. But uh, they're finding themselves somewhere in the middle. And hopefully Sewane can get a, a kind of a more stability to that. Freiburg Union Berlin wasn't very high scoring Bundesliga round as we're used to that. Freiburg uh, Union 0-0, but a vital point for Union Berlin. And then Mainz Wolfsburg 1-1 as well. Um, and then we have Bremen got a late goal against Bochum away and so on. Um, if there are any conclusions, Concluding thoughts on the round as a whole, Dad. Please share. But if not, then we'll go to our to our last segment. Yeah, I think you summarized it well. I mean, obviously, we were looking at uh, the Champions League places. I think there was a it was a good round for uh, Dortmund because Dortmund winning, Leipzig losing. Uh, that was uh, calculated that Leipzig should beat my Eintracht Frankfurt at home. So for the battle for the Champions League, you will think that Bayern and Leverkusen will be certain there, of course, but then it's going to be a battle for them, uh, for them all. Uh, and uh, I think that that is more how to, to summarize it. Bayern get going, Leverkusen, not lucky because, they, like you were saying, that was the 25th shot of the game. So, uh, so it's got, uh, we're just glad we're starting all over again uh, with the German Bundesliga. And do you have a player of the week for yourself? Or do you want me I think to start it off? No, you, you can start. Well, I wanted to give a little player of the week shout out because I mentioned him before, but I just wanted to make sure that it's told again because it's a great story. Köln Heidenheim, which I coincidentally forgot to there in the, in the summary mention, but there it is. Köln Heidenheim 
1-0 Köln. Heidenheim, if you've seen the equalizer, a great goal. Adrian Beck with his first Bundesliga goal. He did play Bund uh, played Scottish Premiership Reserve League with me. And he got his first Bundesliga goal. And what a cracker it was. And I just want people to see that as a reminder. And whether we talk about the new signings and circumstances and redeeming their careers. Yes, it's about skill. Yes, it's about mentality, but also about circumstance. And you mentioned choosing the right college, choosing the right teacher. And he has found himself at home in, in Heidenheim and secures Heidenheim a vital point and, and a team that I think will stay up this season as well. So I think it's just a great, a great little story within all these uh, star-studded kind of uh, analysis. Great, great play of the week. So I will go the whole way around and I will go for one of the greatest talents of international football. International football being German football, English football, everything. And I go to Musiala. Uh, because there is something about Musiala when you see him the first time, his uh, physical attributes. You you think of the Disney, you think of Bambi, uh, you think you see this kid. You think it's, I'm not saying it make me feel old. It just makes me feel clumsy that every step I do I can fell over. And then you see this artist, this ballet dancer. Nuriyev was in my generation the biggest Russian ballet dancer. He reminds me of a, a man who's sliding all over the pitch, scoring two goals again. And it's quite interesting because I, I always like to, to get my uh, the German results on my X uh, account. And, and everybody, every time Musiala is doing well, he is the one who got away. He is the one they would love to play for England. I mean, that midfield of England is still crowded now with, with all the great midfielders they do have. But Muziala will be so vital for Germany and, and we can look forward to a great duo, Florian Wirtz and, and Muziala scoring this uh, fourth and fifth goal. And, and we're talking about a Beckenbauer who makes me, made me together with Johan Cruyff fall in love with football. I mean, Muziala, I mean, you will travel all over the world to look, watch him play football because he's just a guy. Of course, it's not the truth, but he is the guy you just see. He just go out there and do it. Uh, and he, he just plays like he would do in a, in a back garden. And I think that is the greatest definition of a Straßenfußballer uh, or a grassroots player, kind of street player, is how Muziala plays football. So he's my uh, player of the week. Nice. Fantastic. Towards the very end here, we have that segment, but I also wanted to hear with you, you've had an illustrious career, Dad, I'll say it, but you've played Bundesliga, you've played Premier League, you've played World Cup, You've played it all. I want to know now the top five defenders you have played against. And you get to interpret whether it's the top five best, best of career, or the ones you uh, struggled with. We had Van Dijk. He was going through a list I think he shared last week. And, and he had Aguero and Jesus and the whole lot. But he said the ones he found most difficult to play against. So I want to know your top five. And whether you want to rank them or just list them in no specific order, that's up to you. Before I start with my, um, I made. Uh, I will make straight away that I make the headline for the five best defenders. Uh, I made an interview to Erling Haaland when he played at Dortmund, and I asked him the same question. <laughs> and it, I, I was just seeing it the other day because somebody sent it to me, and I asked him, and it took him so long. I said, "Who, who is that? Who is the most difficult opponent, opponent defender you played against?" And then he said, "Hmm." 
difficult question. And I and I and I said just the fact that you take yourself time and you can't find anyone. Uh, I think he ended up quite interesting enough with Harry Maguire, uh, and it's quite interesting because when I do my the, the five best defenders, it's not best in terms of who had the best career and who had the most best reputation. But I've tried to, to see when I played for Norway, uh, when I played in the Premier League, in Austria, in Norway and in England, uh, who was uh, the best player I played against. But the hardest to get a goal against. The hardest would never let me have a touch of the ball. Uh, so that was the definition, meaning that Tony Adams, the Arsenal captain, who I loved to play against somehow because I always had good battles with him. I looked quite okay against him. Uh, Jürgen Kohler, uh, maybe the best man-decker, man, man against man in, in football. I played against him once. I always loved, wanted to play against him because I always thought he, I would do well against him because he went straight into my body so I can kind of use my arms to kind of steer him. And it was right. I scored against Dortmund when I played against him. So, so they are out, although they had fantastic career as defenders. So uh, I made a list, Marcus, but I have to have a, uh, my glasses on now because uh, I'm not saying that Erling Haaland was hard to find, but I'll try to get a, a list. Number five, Manchester United captain Steve Bruce. I put him in there because I think Steve Bruce is... Mm, nearly underestimated because he didn't get a cap for England. But it was very hard to play against him because you never knew where he was. He was just like, a, he was an old-fashioned English defender at the same time being a modern defender that adjusted to a great, great Sir Alex Ferguson Manchester United team. Number four, he is the one that when I meet him now uh, and I, I, I rated him I think Steve Bold was hard. I think Tony Adams was hard to play against. But Martin Keon was the most difficult one to play against because you've never felt that he was in control of his body or maybe he was and that made, makes it even more frightening because he just came, he came through you. There was no, there was no, at Tony Adams I could speak to, have a joke with, let's swap shirts afterwards. And Martin Keon, he was a killer. He was a killer that you hated to play against. Number three, I would go back to a teammate of mine in Middlesbrough, meaning that I'd never played against him in an official game, but I played against him in training. Gianluca Festa, an Italian defender, and he's a representative there for the Italian defenders because, in general, I would say that the defenders, if I took it in terms of nationality, he was... The, the the hardest, but I would have said Italian defenders. And I played against Baresi, Marcus. I'm that old. He was a my sweeper kind of liberal uh, kind of thing. Uh, I, I played against the Italian national team, but I would put in Festa because in training he was one of those. He never had a a training that he took it more relaxed. No, he was always spot on. A great great defender. Number two, I swear that nobody listening has ever heard of him. I played in Rapid Vienna. I must say I was an instant success in 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 uh, Rapid by Rapid in Vienna. I scored goals for fun, but there was one player that I always looked bad against. Somehow he kind of broke the code when he played against me. I remember we played Inter Milano, 
I played against Bergome, Marcus. He was one of the hardest defenders of his generation. I was brilliant. Next round, I played against St. Pölten. St. Pölten had a player that was called Hans-Peter Frivert. And Hans-Peter Frivert, I remember Hans Kranke said to me, Jan, how can you have trouble playing against Frivert? <laughs> Sorry. There was something about him getting under my skin. He, he kind of had me in his pocket. I scored against St. Pelt. I scored against him, but it was always something he did to me that made it harder. And number one, he's not only maybe one of the best defenders in the history of football, he was also the hardest I have ever played against him because I felt I played against a brick or wall. I played against a, a defender who could... He was fantastic with the ball. His positioning was brilliant. He won the World Cup. He won the Euros. I played against him uh, at, at Chelsea, Marcel Desai. He was just unbelievable. I met him a couple of times later in um, when we both have a TV career. And I've always said that to him. I want to have the photo of the toughest defender I've ever played against him. He never replied, you were the toughest attacker I, play, I played against. But it's still Marcel Desai is the toughest defender. And also best, I must say, that I've ever played against a good list that's a nice little diverse list as well because then yeah, you've yeah. uh, recognized the some porn center back as well uh which i think is a, is a nice touch that next time or next week i'm coming out i'm coming recurring with these so i'm going to keep you on your toes in terms of whether it's players stadiums moments what have you but that thanks for this a but lot to... i will do that i will do that, to that i will do that list for you but i will also challenge you on a list because uh although you played in scotland you played in the college you played in new zealand i will also challenge you next time think good of that the five best attackers you ever played against who made it harder for you i got a suspicious i got a i, I suspect suspect one of them and i spoke to him a couple of three weeks ago but still we don't say no we don't reveal it now but i will challenge you on the five uh most difficult strikers you ever played against all right theo i'll give that a good little think actually <laughs> thanks dad okay see you next time i'll feed us in i'll feed us in